one more time. I'm so excited to preach this morning. I'm beside myself. Um, I'm just ready to just throw the word of God out there to you guys and see what you do with it. God knows what he's going to do with it. We just need to see what we're going to do with it. Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. That is paralysis. He was paralyzed, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him, Jesus, for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before all them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning about four friends and a mat. Four friends and a mat. Father, we are thankful for the eternally inspiring Word of God. We're thankful, God, for the motivation that it gives to our faith. We're thankful, God, for the promise that it gives to our hope. And I pray today in the name of Jesus that the Word of God would go forth, that our hearts would be open, our hearts, our minds, our ears would be open to receive what thus saith the word of God. Bless this congregation of people, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. I want to make a disclaimer here today, early on in this message, and I need for everyone to listen. This man that was laying on this gurney, Jesus said, or it was, excuse me, it was referenced at least four times in our scripture setting that he was sick of the palsy. Now the Bible was giving us a diagnosis of his condition, that he had palsy, or that he was paralyzed. But I believe not only was that his condition, But I do believe he was sick of it. Amen. 
Somebody ever gets a sick and tired, you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. That'll preach right there, won't it? So in the early part of this message, I'm going to speak of people, I'm going to quote some men concerning people who have special needs or handicap, whichever term is the most courteous. I, nor anyone here at Grace, ever wants to be insensitive toward anyone with a special need or a handicap. I want to make that disclaimer. The second disclaimer that I want to make is I have never been one for too much aggressiveness in church. What I mean by that is some Pentecostals get real zealous and they want everyone to feel what they're feeling. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to have people feel what they're feeling. And if you don't ever reach a point where you feel what they're feeling, you end up praying that you would have. Because by the time they're done with you, you're sick of it. We don't go and grab people by the arm and drag them to the altar and what have you. So we don't get too pushy and too aggressive. This message is not for you to be physically aggressive with people. It's to put your faith out there and let's see what happens. Jesus saw their faith. He didn't see their labor of getting the man through the roof and chopping a hole in the roof. He didn't, he, the Bible didn't notice to pay attention to that. He saw their faith. Everybody say amen. So is everybody on board? So here today, I'm looking for four friends. Not necessarily four, but I'm looking for friends today that are willing to let another friend down. I want everybody in the building here today to be willing to let somebody down into the presence of Jesus. Everybody say amen. You need no qualifications for that outside of tremendous faith and a little bit of determination. I want to introduce to you today the mat. This is a very interesting piece of uh, furniture. I want to ask you today, by a show of hands, how many of you here today have one of these? This is a mat. How many has one? That's what I thought. I'm going to help you answer that question a little more specifically later on in my message, Lord willing. But the man that I just read to you about in Mark chapter 2 had spent probably the vast majority of life on one of these. This was everything he had plus four friends. All he had in the world was four friends and a mat, a gurney, a stretcher. He lived on this mat. I want everybody 
to get your head around that. I would invite somebody, if you would like to after church, is to just lay this thing down on the floor somewhere. I'm just going to prop it back up here where I had it. But if you would like to try it out after church, that is not a Simmons beauty rest. It's not a Serta posturepedic. It is not a select number bed. All they had was sticks and limbs tied together and probably a piece of animal hide that was given to them, strapped to that, and that's all they had. They laid on that virtually 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The man that lived on that was paralyzed. Paralysis is the complete loss of muscle function for one or more muscle groups. But here's what I want you to notice about paralysis. Paralysis can cause a loss of feeling. You can't feel anything anymore. It's a not only a loss of feeling, but it is also a loss of mobility. So imagine what life must have been like for this paralyzed man. His whole life lived on a three-foot by six-foot mat. So somebody had to do everything for him. Somebody had to do everything for him. He never knew physical, emotional, or mental independence ever. Nothing could be done for him medically. There is no way he could contribute anything to society. So he had to live his entire life on a mat as a beggar. His dreams of a, no doubt he would dream of a healthy body sometimes. But every morning he would wake up to his severe limitation. And he never knew. And as far as he was concerned... We'll never know what it means to be free from the mat. Even today, as we all know, and I'll be very careful and sensitive here, but we all know people who wrestle with physical challenges. And sometimes they say the most difficult obstacle for them to face are the attitudes of the so-called normal people around them because most of the time they are anything but a friend. This is a fast-paced world and it's not a very friendly place to those with special needs and those who are handicapped. I have a brother who is handicapped. He lost both of his legs in an explosion a number of years ago. The world is not a friendly place for him, 
because he can never walk fast enough. But as insensitive as our world is, and I believe it's far better now than it ever, than it ever was, but the ancient world was cruel. The ancient times, particularly during Bible times, was even much harsher. Aristotle said, let there be a law that no deformed child shall be raised. In 5 B.C., there was a Roman statute that said, quickly kill a deformed child. But I want you to notice here today that in the nation of Israel in Bible times, they would let the handicapped person live, but they suffered from a horrible stigma. It was a common assumption among the religious leaders of the Jewish people that if someone was suffering physically, they had either brought it on themselves by their own sin or perhaps their parents. And this is what caused the disciples to ask Jesus in Mark chapter 9, Master, who sinned? In reference to the blind man, this man or his parents that he was born blind. That's what they thought any kind of physical limitation meant. The man in our text today had only two things going for him. First of all, he had four friends. He had four friends. Without them, he never makes it to Jesus. He never receives his healing. And he is never forgiven of his sins. The second thing, and this is where I'd like for you to take note again. The second thing in his favor is that he was willing to be vulnerable. There's no telling what God could do for you today if you would let your guard down a few minutes and fully make yourself available to anything God would do for you or God would do through you. If somehow we could look at the man on the mat and get rid of our pride because he already has none. His has been gone a long time. I'm talking to somebody right now. There's people in our community that we are afraid to talk to because it might harm our reputation. I keep mentioning that. We're afraid to hang around with them. There's a pride element going on here. The people on the mat are desperate to get to Jesus, but we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable and appear to be foolish around anybody ever. I am so thankful I can stand behind this sacred desk today and preach to you that this vulnerable paralyzed man. The only thing he had to his name was his mat. But he had four friends. He must have wrestled with his sense of dependence on others sometimes. After they had been together for any length of time, his four friends would just merely Walk home. He could never do that. Sometimes 
He was no doubt even jealous of them. Maybe sometimes he was angry at them, but he was always dependent on them. Again, I want to say in passing, are there people in our community today, even in your home, or people you work with, are dependent on you? And if you never make a move, they go nowhere. It's a troubling and humiliating thing. It's a troubling and humiliating thing to have someone carry you around on a mat because they see you in your weakness. They see you vulnerable. They see you powerless. They see a beggar. The four friends can drop you. They could stumble themselves and you hit the ground. You can't even help slow the fall. You see it coming and you're powerless to do anything about it. Again, may I say in passing, there's about four or five sermons that I'm trying to preach right now and I'm trying to do it in one. But I want to tell you again, whether we like to hear it or not, our community is filled with people who have, been, who have made themselves dependent on the fellowship and the brotherhood of their church, religious, spiritual friends. And the friends dropped them. Somebody said one time, actually I've heard it many times through the years, that we got our feelings hurt, something happened, and we quit going to church. And not one person from the church ever called to check on us. My question to you is how many times have you been on the other side of that situation where somebody else quit going to church? How many times did you call them? All of us are guilty of dropping someone who is dependent on our faith and our walk with God. It leaves one very vulnerable to be carried on a mat in public. Nobody, I don't, I'll be honest here today. Knowing Glenn Murphy the way I know him, I'd just soon stay home than to try to recruit four people and say, would you come to my house and each of y'all grab a corner and carry me to Walmart? I don't want to be packed around in public on this thing, man. Is anybody hearing my drift? Come on, Pentecostals. Let's wake up to a reality. There's people 
that need God. They need a way to God. But they just don't want to be carried like this. Because at some point in their life, they call somebody and somebody dropped them. And I'll never do that again. God, wake us up. God, wake us up. God, wake us up. Could we pray right now for a moment and ask God to just help us hear the word? The mat is a horrible thing. I asked you a little while ago as to how many of you had one of these and I didn't see anybody raise their hand. But here's the truth of the matter. Everybody here today has a mat. Everybody in the building today We have one of these. Whether you call it human brokenness, you can even call it a genetic imperfection, you can call it a personal weakness. Everybody has a mat. Your mat is what you most desire to hide about yourself. Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever bought something, an automobile especially, and there's a big sticker in the window that says, as is, that when you buy it, you buy it in as is condition. All of us here today, everybody sitting in this building, is here today in as is condition. Everybody has a mat. So... What is your mat? Is your mat pride? Is your mat an addiction that you can't get rid of out of your life? Is your mat fear that you can't control? Is your mat lust that controls you? Maybe it's a terrible secret from the past and you just can't control it. Most people, Most religious people, most Pentecostal people spend their whole life pretending that they don't have a mat. They appear so healthy and strong and people around them assume that they can walk anywhere they want to go. Their primary goal in life is to hide their mat from others. And we as Pentecostals have become good at it. Our mat is our defense or our justification of our mental or spiritual or emotional handicap. We can't maintain a good marriage because we have a mat. We can't even... Maintain deep and lasting friendships with people because we're, we have a dependency on our mat. 
there's people here today that can't be effective parents because you're too dependent on your mat. And it comes to a reality sometimes to pastor that even Jesus can't get some of us off of our mat. But I'm here to preach to you today. It's time for grace and its attendees to get off the mat, to realize what's holding us back, to realize that there's a world out there that needs to see a pure Jesus, not a religious Jesus, but a pure religious or a pure Jesus, not a denominational-based Jesus, but a real Jesus, a Jesus that can literally do anything. I want to be honest with you today. For years, Pastor has had my own share of very intimate experience with a bat. And I get tired of it sometimes. Sometimes I just want to throw the burden away. I want to get rid of the stigma. I want to forget about who I am and realize who he is. Somehow today, I just want to kick the thing to the side and say, I don't need you no more. I don't have any use for you anymore. I'm done with you today. And I'll never go back to the mat. May I say in passing again, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine what it's like to be delivered from your mat and something terrible happened later on in your life. A friend drops you. Your spouse drops you. Your parents drop you. Your friends drop you. Your pastor drops you. The pastoral staff drops you. And at some point, I just can't help it. I just can't help myself. There was a time when I didn't need this in my life. But I have to go back. And live on the mat again. There's people sitting in this building. It's been your testimony for years. You'll come to an anointed altar. And you'll get a hold of God. And you'll kick the mat aside. And say never again. But sooner or later. You get dropped by somebody. And I don't know why it is man. But the worst thing you can do on the planet. Is to go back to the mat. What you need to do. Is say no to that. And yes to him. You can sit today. And look at me. However you want to look at me. But there's people sitting in this building that have experienced the life-saving power of the Holy Ghost. You have experienced the redeeming blood of Jesus. There's people here today that have been healed physically, mentally, spiritually. 
You have enjoyed incredible moments of victory, but somewhere along the line you got dropped by a friend and you decided rather than go to him, I'm going to go back to that. And I don't understand it. You say, well, pastor, you just don't know what I've been through. You don't know how bad it hurt. Well, let me reciprocate to you, Matt, that uh, I've been hurt too. As a matter of fact, I've been hurt by a lot of church people. I've been hurt by pastors. I've had people in my own family proselyte saints out of my church. I've been let down. I've seen people get up out of my office and go away mad and never come back. And nobody knows how bad it hurts. I've been hurt by family and I've been hurt by friends. And I've been dropped a thousand times. But I have never, never gone back to that. There's people here today that's been delivered from drugs and alcohol and nicotine and God only knows what else. Pornography right down the line and you get discouraged and you get wiped out over something and a hard time comes, a trial comes and it seems like God isn't fair and you say there's only one thing left for me to do. There's my old friend. You know, I never cease to be amazed at how ignorant literally people can be. Especially those of you who love country music. Because they'll just tell you straight up. The only thing that's going to get you through is Jim Beam and Jack Daniel and tequila. Instead of Holy Ghost wine... It'll get you more intoxicated than you can stand. I would rather be paralyzed by an addiction, a lifestyle, an attitude, a grudge, a mindset. I'd rather be paralyzed by my past. I'd rather be paralyzed by anger, brokenness. I'd rather... Just snuggle up on this thing that to have Jesus in my life. The country music writers will tell you that that kind of junk is a dead end street and somehow we love it. Y'all do, I don't. I'll just go to the bar and put in another quarter. Some woman sang a song when I was a teenager. Please, Mr. Please, don't play B-17. That was my song, our song, his song. Now it's over. What a life. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. So since Lucille's gone, somebody sang one time with 400 children and a crop in the field. She didn't have 400 kids. What kind of woman do you think Lucille is? Because she left him, man, don't mean she's a... 400 children, not 400. But Lucille left me. Oh, my old friend. 
I'm just paralyzed. And I just need somebody to help me get my mat. I want to tell you folks right now, I'm so angry. I can't see straight. Because there's people sitting in this building. You'd rather wake up in the morning on that than to wake up in the morning with him. I'd just rather, man, I'm more comfortable with this. I'm more secure. I've lived on this off and on all of my life, Pastor. Why should I change? Am I preaching to anybody tonight or today? God, help us to understand. Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you don't have to live on a mat anymore. Get off your mat. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Find a brand new relationship with Jesus and let him deliver you. Jesus said, I'll give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions. I'll build a hedge around you. I'll give you a blood covering. Greater is he that's in you. I'm looking for today is some church people that got off your mat a long time ago. And you are far more burdened about others you know here today that's on a mat than you are about your own convenience. You care more about them than you do lunch in a few minutes than what you got to do tomorrow. And how you may look if you minister to somebody on a mat. Let me ask everybody in the building today. Have you ever felt like Jesus was so close, but you couldn't get through to him? I hear that often. I heard it this week. That because I've been a horrible, miserable so-and-so, I know Jesus is right there, but I can't get to him. He don't care about me. He ain't listening to me. That's the way it was that day in Mark chapter 2. This man is sick of the palsy. He's sick with the palsy. He's paralyzed. And now he keeps hearing all these testimonies about a Nazarene running around town and says a few crazy words to people. And they get up running around all over the place. I'd sure love to meet this guy. And he finally finds out that Jesus is going to be at a certain address. So he calls his friends. God help us today. Y'all understand, I'm trying to preach about eight things at one time. I keep going back and forth. What if he called you? Well, you know, I don't get home from work till 6 o'clock. And by the time we eat dinner and get the kids bathed, no, I don't have time to come by and help you today and get you to church. You know now, you've asked me to fast and pray about your marriage. You've asked me to fast and pray about your addiction. You've asked me to fast and pray about whatever it is going on in your life. But you know, I've got these medical problems and I just can't fast. I want somebody to get your head around this stuff, man. I'm... I'm preaching with everything I've got right now. This man 
paralyzed somehow, communicated. I need four of my friends. Not one, not two. One's hard to get, much less four. I heard Jesus is going to be at so-and-so's house. And if y'all can get me there, maybe he'll heal me. I'm glad they came. This would be a horrible story, man. If those four guys had done like a lot of us do. I just don't have time. Sorry. The car ain't running good. I have literally heard people say when they were called by someone to come pick them up and bring them to church. I don't have enough money to pay for the gas that it would cost me to come get you. I'm not a rich man, buddy. But if that's ever the case, you go get them and you come tell me about your financial dilemma and I'll give you $5 for two or three gallons of gas. Okay? Don't ever forget that. But I've heard people use that as an excuse. My wife don't like the way you smell. We don't like the way you look. I brought a woman from home from church one time when we pastored in Youngstown. Sister Murphy will verify the truth of it. I asked a couple of guys to go with me. She stunk so bad, they didn't want to go. I'm not exaggerating, Pastor. Please don't ask us to go. But I can't go by myself. And we had the windows rolled down and the air conditioner wide open all the way home. You couldn't get anywhere. You couldn't get close to her. I'm not exaggerating. And she came to our church for a number of years. And you could always tell when she was there because there was this one lone person sitting here and there's about a 10-foot radius around her. You couldn't breathe when you was around this woman. It was bad. But if she needed to get to church, there were people in our church who would go pick her up as bad as she smelled and would bring her to church. She was baptized in Jesus' name and filled up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Say no to that. Say no to that next time. This man got word to his friends. And when they got there, and you know the story, the house was packed out. And I'm going to come to it in a moment. But I'll point out to you who the house was packed out by. I want you to have a good understanding as who was blocking the way for this man to get to Jesus. For those of you that thought I was getting to the conclusion, sorry. They got there. The house was packed out. And his friends, his friends had a strange idea. We can't get him in the door, so let's let him down through the roof. That's the best that a man has ever been let down by his friends. That's the best time it ever happened. If you ever want to let somebody down, let them down at the feet of Jesus. Oh God, I wish I could preach all of this today. My heart is pumping on the inside of me right now. Let's tear a hole in the roof. And so they did. And they lowered their friend down in front of Jesus. And Jesus saw their faith. Not his.
I know have a pretty good grip on who's here today. I know most of you people. There's a few people here today. I don't know who you are. We'd love to know who you are, but most of you people, I know who you think. We will say that we want everybody to come to know Jesus, whatever it takes. There's a little gal here today, and she's given me permission to put her on the spot and embarrass her from time to time. She's given me permission to do that. But I know how you people think. We're typical, spoiled Americans. We really don't have time for anybody. We don't have time for ourselves, much less anybody else. That's why we're in the shape we're in. We're poor time managers. Jesus put 24 hours in a day for a reason. He knew you could function well with 24 hours. You need to learn how to function well with it. Anyway. We'll do whatever it takes, man. That's what we say. But when God starts moving, and the person on the mat says, get me to Jesus. Well, I don't know, man. You know, my back's been hurting me a little good bit today. and You understand. You know, obviously the man could talk on the mat. The man on the mat could talk. And so their friends are telling him, you know, I don't feel good and I, me and my spouse just had a up close and personal confrontation and I'm as mad as a hornet and I, I don't even feel right with God myself you know if truth be known but if uh, you know if you're you know if you're depending on me there's there's a there's something that happened here a while back and this is a great venue in which to share it I got dropped as pastor I got dropped because it's amazing how it worked I had just spent hours, literally hours, on the phone and in person with somebody that's here today. Having to do with them in a situation with their kids. I made time out of a very busy pastor schedule and talked to the kid. Two weeks later, pastor's daughter is standing right here, tears streaming. And I'm praying. And I watch the kind friend walk by and go, Jesus, and just keep on going. You didn't have time to stop and pray for Casey after all the time I just spent with your family? It hurts when you get dropped, doesn't it? Pastors don't get dropped, right? Is that what y'all think? But here's this guy, and he looks at the door, and you can't get in. You can't get in. It wasn't his idea. I understand scripture to say it wasn't his idea. It was one of his friend's ideas. Says, uh, well, if you can't get through the door, they need access to their attic anyway from time to time. Let's give them one. And so they begin to chop and hack through that roof. And you know the story. Jesus saw their faith. Their location was impeccable. You know, if you're being carried 
on a mat at ground level or you're being carried like this and they stumble and you get dropped, that ain't too bad. But when you're up there, if they drop you, it could be it. It could be fatal. I can promise you that the man on the mat, this was new heights in his friendship. He was at new heights of friendship with these people. I got to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. Folks, we don't drag people down when we're trying to help them. We lift them up when we're trying to help them. Not only did Jesus see their faith, but he saw their faith. And he had a couple of choices to make. I can either trust this irrational idea of my friends or I can be content to stay on the mat. He chose the first. Harry Stack Sullivan, a pioneer in interpersonal psychology, said, it takes people to make people sick and it takes people to make people well. Well, I don't believe that's exactly true because every one of us is responsible for our own sin before God, but we are shaped more by people than any other force in our life. Maybe we could more accurately say is the devil uses people to make people sick, but Jesus uses people to make people well. Which one is using you today? So imagine for a moment that you're the man on the mat. This is the biggest risk you've ever taken in your life. Can you trust your friends to keep you safe? And when they let you down, what is the crowd going to think? The people in the house. The people in the house, and the Bible is very clear as to who they were. You want me to tell you who they were? They were people just like you and me. They're no different. We've got the religious corner on Jesus, buddy. He is at our house, and he's going to listen to us, and we're going to listen to him. Anybody comes with any other ideas, they're not welcomed here. So this man is let down, and the people in the house were just as paralyzed as he was. They were lying on their mats of bad attitudes, unbelief, and skepticism, just like there is here today. They were the traditional religious people who get upset at the roof crashers for interrupting the lesson for intruding on their service. And they're certainly upset with Jesus for stopping what he was doing to pay attention to this ridiculous commotion going on over their head. And what's even bad, hear me Pentecostals, where it gets really bad is when Jesus sees their faith and looks at the man and says, your sin 
is forgiven. There's people in our world today that found God at one point in their life, messed up, committed big sin, and they're too ashamed, too embarrassed, too intimidated to go back to their spiritual mother because they're afraid of what people will say about them. That's what happened that day. We don't want that guy in our church, man. We've got Jesus. We're having our little intimate moment of aisle running and crying and praying for our needs. And, you know, Jesus needs to minister to us and enhance our knowledge. We need to really know more and understand about him. We need more revelation. We don't have time for people crashing through the roof. Isn't it sad that it was the religious, hypocritical regime of that day that blocked a man on the mat from getting to Jesus? Are you in anybody's way? Am I in somebody else's way? And their need is a whole lot more legitimate than ours. I've literally heard pastors criticized because he went and prayed for somebody first before he came to me. Brother Jeff Arnold told a story about a man that was involved in horrible transgression. It was in the newspaper, it was so bad. He came to his altar and was repenting. Brother Arnold went and prayed for him. And he had two of what he thought was his strongest men in his church get up and walk out and say, I'll never come again if you pray with that sort of people. Where are we today? Who are we today? We're so mad laden is we don't even recognize anyone else that has needs. We don't even really care about anyone else that has needs. Pastor, I got my problem. I need to be healed too. We don't understand. We don't understand. But you don't get spiritual by attending more church. You get more spiritual by ministering to more people. That don't mean quit coming to church. But you don't get more spiritual by attending more church. You get more spiritual by ministering to people. And that's why pastor says, when people stand up and say, I've known the Lord for 48 years. Great. Is that 48 years or one year 48 times? Jesus explained, don't judge or you'll be judged. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. And if you don't love your brother who is visible, how can you love God who's invisible? Jesus is not saying that he withholds forgiveness to get back at you. He's making a profound observation about human nature. It is mentally, spiritually, emotionally impossible to really live in God's forgiveness and not want to experience that with other human beings. People who don't love people can't love God. I don't have time. Don, come on. But this is what I want to conclude with today, if you'll stand with me. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle of Moses, there were several pieces of furniture. There were seven pieces of furniture. The Bible don't really give us clear information how two of those pieces of furniture were carried. And that is the brazen laver and the seven golden candlesticks. The brazen laver 
is a type of God washing away our sin. He carries that. The seven golden candlesticks is the church. He bought that. So he carries those two things, if you'll understand. But the other five pieces of furniture, number one was a brazen altar. The Bible said it was born of four. There were four men that carried it. It's a type of repentance. The table of showbread was born of four. It's the word of God. The ark of covenant, a type of the presence of God himself, was born of four. It goes on and on. There are some things that we have the responsibility of carrying. If we don't carry it, it doesn't get carried. Jesus handles forgiveness. And we try to even control that as to who he forgives and how much and how often. Because we sure don't. We won't even control the church as to who can come and how big it gets. But it's amazing that those things he has put in our hands, we don't want to have anything to do with that. We can lead people to repentance. Anybody game? We can lead people to the presence of God. Anybody game? God puts virtually all access to Him in the hands of man. And if we don't get them there, they'll never come. So there's people here today living on a mat. I promise to help you. I'll do everything I can to help you get to the presence of God. I want to help you find repentance, restoration, healing. I'll help you with your mat. You don't have to live on this another day. Anybody want to bring you mat? I can promise you here today, there's at least four people. I'm one of them. There's three more up there. We'll help you grab a corner. We'll carry you to him. And if all this religious, hypocritical stuff is in the way, we'll just tear a hole in the roof. I don't care. I don't care. And I'm not scared. I don't care what you think. I'm here to serve him and please him. So if you have a mat here today and would like to get off of it, you're at the right place. Don't send, stand back there and say, I can't get to him. Yeah, you can. I'm going to help you. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. We're going to help you, man. You got something going on in your life? We're going to help you get there, man. It don't matter what your past is. It don't matter where you've been to church. It don't matter how many times you pray through to the Holy Ghost. It don't matter if you've ever prayed through the Holy Ghost. We want to help you. We're going to help you get to Jesus. Anybody want to bring you mat here today and just say, you know what? 
I don't need you no more. As a matter of fact, I think I'm just going to tear you apart today so that once I give you up this time, you won't even be here no more for me to take you back. I don't need that no more. I'm going to give up my mat. Hallelujah to God. I know. I didn't, I, I didn't finish. I, I, never, I never get finished. But I know today there's people here with a mat. God has invited you on numerous occasions to bring him the mat. But you didn't have anybody to help you. You thought you didn't have anybody to help you. But today you do. I want to help you get to Jesus. Anybody? Anybody? While Casey's playing and singing softly, I'm going to invite everybody to come up around the front. Everybody come stand. If you have something you'd like to bring to Jesus, doesn't matter if you've brought it to him a thousand times before. Would you bring your mat? We need some friends here today. If there's somebody nearby and tears are streaming down their face, why don't you go pray with them? Oh, they may not be as smart as you and they may not have as much money as you do, but that's not the point. They just need to get to Jesus and how willing are we to make that happen? I know it's going to be real uncomfortable for some of you guys, but find somebody that brought a mat up here with them. And say, God, I'm going to get them to you. God, I'm going to, here's your chance to be a soul winner. Here's a good opportunity to show really how serious you are. I'm going to help you get to Jesus today. We'll stop at nothing. Four friends and a mat. Come on, find somebody to pray with. They're scattered all over the front of this building. You may not like the way they look. You may not like the way they smell. But they need Jesus. Does that mean anything to anybody? Come on, church, help me pray. Somebody help me pray. We've got to touch God today. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Bring your mat. Bring your mat with you. It doesn't matter. We all have one. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed. We all have one. Let Jesus work. Let Jesus work. Somebody let him work. Somebody let him work. <laughs>